Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. How many of you enjoyed that lesson by Brother Herbs? Man, <laughs> tremendous. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 3. The Bible is our authority. It's the source of life. It's uh, what makes us different than every other uh, religion in the world uh, that our, our encounter with God is vindicated by the unique holy book in the world. And what great... Uh, now, I will just tell you, that was a layered presentation. Some of the largest arguments against the Bible... Uh, Brother Herbst, you were handling in a very deft way, and if you'll tuck that away, as you, you'll find yourself going, oh, that question is what Brother Herbst was addressing uh, in his lesson. So thank you, sir. That was thick and wonderful. I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 3, verse number 12. We're going to spend a lot of our time in the book of Revelation today, and before you uh, whet your appetite for eschatology too much, we're not going to deal with the timing of the rapture or anything like that. I know, unfortunately, some of you guys want to talk about that. Okay. All right, so Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. Him that overcometh, uh, Jesus says, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. Speaking of permanence, beautiful promise in the word of God. And I will write upon him the name of my God. Interesting. The name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. He says, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And, and then there's this interesting little phrase, and I will write upon him my new name. So I, I want to uh, give you seven little points today. I'm going to talk about the revelation of Jesus's new name. What does that mean? Now, I, I will just tell you to, today that I think the book of Revelation is the most uh, pastorally hopeful book in the New Testament. And perhaps you've never heard that before, uh, but the, the purpose of the book is to say something about the culmination of all of history. And as the old timers used to say, I looked in the back of the book and we win. That's right. Now, Brother Herbside was uh, asked some questions about this particular verse, and uh, I, I was uh, replying to a pastor friend about it. What does it mean that Jesus has a new name? What new name does Jesus get in eternity? And uh, I went to a particular event. I had a wonderful friend get up, and uh, he was engaged in this subject. So I thought, okay, I need to kind of wrap my brain around this, and uh, if you'll forgive me for this, there was something, Brother Herbst, missing in the tone of my colleague when he was talking about this wonderful revelation in Scripture. And uh, sometimes uh, you just get the catharsis of my own journey with the Lord, which uh, I apologize for in advance. I, I sometimes, Brother Lear, have to work something out in my own brain and heart uh, to say, what is going on in this passage? So let me give you seven little questions and we'll answer them. The first one is this, you know, seven, it was incidental. I didn't aim at seven, Brother Hurst, even though seven is all over Revelation. All right, what is Jesus's new name? We have to put that in the context of the book of Revelation, 
And Revelation is a difficult book. If you're a new Christian, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that you start your devotions, uh, first time ever reading the Bible, reading uh, this wonderful book we call the book of Revelation. Turn to your neighbor, say Revelation. Revelation. Tell them not Revelations. Okay, good. Because the purpose of this book is clear. There's only one revelation. It's in Revelation chapter 1, 1 and 2. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the revelation. Uh, He says, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things he saw. I think probably the old timers said it best. If you're going to figure out what's going on in the book of Revelation, they said, seems like some people know more about what Antichrist is doing than what Christ is doing. Now, what does that mean? The book of Revelation is not necessarily to make you an eschatology buff. To go around so you can talk about every nuance of the trumpets and the bowls and the biles and how those are, uh, what which each of those mean and, and who is the Antichrist going to be and what is the time of the rapture? Turn to your neighbor and say, nobody knows. <laughs> and I'll try to behave on that. But we can grapple sometimes with our understanding of the timing of the book of uh, Revelation and its unfolding events, and we can miss, at the end of the day, uh, Sister Tapia, what God is trying to reveal about himself. Because it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about Jesus' new name, we have to remember this is whatever it's about, it's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. So second question. Is it a new name like an unknown name? Is it an unknown name? Is it a novel name? Well, there are two things that we can see from the book of Revelation. That wonderful little verse we read. And and we can do other things. I'll give you another verse. Revelation 2.17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And notice what the Bible says. To him that overcometh. Jesus says, will I give to eat of the hidden manna? We're not going to talk about that today. And I will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written. Now notice this, which no man knoweth, saving he that receives it. Now what does that mean? How many of you heard that old time song? I got a new name. Well, it's not so old, but it is old. Because, you know, I'm old. But when I was young, we used to sing in church, I got a new name written in glory. And it's mine. And we're singing stuff. And and the question is, where did they get that? They didn't pull that out of thin air. They pulled it right out of the book of Revelation. So the, the issue is, when you say, is it an unknown name, Brother Herbst, does Jesus get a different name in eternity? That's issue number one with that. The second one would be, what is that new name that is promised to be written, and Jesus is going to say, on us later in the book of Revelation, uh, and it has to be those who conquer. And no man can even know that name unless you receive it. All right, third question. You're like, Wow, he's going to get to seven quick. Yeah, that's a trick. Three's going to be long. Turn to your neighbor and say, buckle up. Sister Nightmall, if we're going to uh, 
understand what that new name is, and is it a new uh, unknown name? Then the third question is, we got to figure out how does scripture use names? You got to understand what, what uh, a biblical use of names and what that means in, in the scripture. So let me, let me layer some understanding into us uh, this afternoon. Or is it afternoon? Nope, this morning. Name changes in the Bible can be both good and bad. Name changes indicate some things about the reality of, of a person, the reality of the nation of Israel, and, and those name changes or those name revelations, Brother Tapia, can be both good or bad. Now, what does that mean? I'll give you an example in Isaiah 62, verse 4. The Lord speaks uh, 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 to the children of Israel. He says, thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed or called what? Desolate. Now, why would God say that, Brother Herbst? Because Israel had forsaken the Lord in covenant, and God says, I'm going to call you by your name because your name is going to indicate your reality. He's saying you're called forsaken and you're called desolate because that's your spiritual condition. He says, you ready? But uh, not only does it indicate unfaithful Israel, that's what Isaiah is saying. Isaiah also says, I'm going to prophesy by the Spirit of God about your redemption, and I'm going to name that reality as well. But thou shalt be called Hepzibah, which is my delight is in her. He says, in thy land, you ready? You're no longer going to be termed desolate. You're going to be called Beulah. How many ever heard that song? Beulah land, um. We're singing stuff and we're like, I don't know what it is, but I want it, Jesus. Because Beulah means thou art married. So, so God is saying through the prophet Isaiah, uh, name changes can indicate the reality of your spiritual condition when it's bad. You ready? But I can give you a name change. And when I give you a name change, it's going to celebrate, uh, Brother Herbst, the new state of your being. Like we would sing songs, like old timers used to say things like this. Uh, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to know. No one's going to have to tell you that you got the Holy Ghost. When you speak in other tongues and you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the change of your life, you can say like the old timers, I know that I know that I know. Why? Because no one has to tell you you've been changed. You know that you've been changed. So naming celebrates redemption and that new state of being. But being is also a new state of knowing. I'll give you another example of that. We used to sing songs like this. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. How many know that song? You don't know like I know what he's done for me. And we hey, heal my broken body. We sing all these things. Why? Because we understand who God is. Because uh, if you don't know the road that I've been on, you can't understand the praise that I even give to God. Why? Because at the end of the day, that new state in my life, that new state of being in my life is a, is a new state of knowing, Brother Herbst. I, I know God is a redeemer. Why? Because I have been redeemed. I know God is a healer. Why? Because I, he's healed my broken body. I know he's a lawyer in the courtroom. Why? Because he's vindicated me in the eyes of my enemy. And so being is knowing and knowing is being. You can't really know God unless you've encountered him. I'll prove it to you and I'll try to do this very quickly. Psalm 106 verses 2 through 5. The psalmist writes, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? 
Brother Herbs, that's the covenant name of God, Yahweh. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all of his praise? And we've talked about this here before. All I want to do is uh, show you that the context of their living is knowing. He says, blessed are they that keep judgment. The Hebrew word mishpat means the ability to walk in, in a way in your life that glorifies God. The fact that you can be a better man than you were in the world. The fact that you can be a better woman than you were in the world. That God can make you a better husband or a better wife or a better father or a better mother. You ready? That reality of the change. Who can... The only ones that can utter the mighty, mighty acts of the Lord and show forth his praise. You can sing about God, but until you have a change of life, you can't utter his mighty acts because you don't know them. I'm trying not to get too preachy today. But it's just always hard. It's like you just have to say, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you can sing about God and not know God. Okay, so that's what the psalmist is saying. And, uh, and he says, you got to know by experience, by encounter. And to know in that sense is intimacy and encounter. That's why some people can, can uh, know about the name of Jesus. You ready? But you don't know the name of Jesus. Why? Because what does Jesus mean? The name of Jesus means Yahweh has become my salvation. So when I, uh, so uh, uh, I pick on the IBC students all the time because that's my job. I just embrace that system. So what, what that means is like when they're, uh, when they're singing song, uh, songs like, uh, things change when I call you Jesus, things change when I call your name. How many of you heard that new song? It's a great song, but Brother Cox, it's only great if they know what they're singing. Because things change when I call you Jesus. I don't have a magic name. I don't get to manipulate the name. I don't get to command things into existence that's contrary to his will. I can call on the name of the Lord in vain. But when I understand things change, when I call you, I confess that you are the God of my salvation. You ready? I understand what that name is because you have redeemed me. Then all of a sudden my my problems, my situations take on the connotation of that revelation and my proximity to that revelation gives me the encounter. Okay, now I know I'm saying a whole lot. Turn to your neighbor and say, it'll be fine. That's why people sing about the name of Jesus, but until you've had the encounter, you don't know him. I'll prove it to you. Now, question number four, what do names reveal? Well, in scripture, it reveals uh, God's character. He reveals something else to his people. So we know in the Old Testament, God's covenant name is, uh, if you got a King James, it's usually all capitals, uh, uh, L, capital O, capital R, capital D, or capital G, capital O, capital D. All that's the covenant name, yod heh vav -Hey. Brother uh, Herbst that you've already alluded to, that little Yod, right? Uh, yod heh vav -Hey. That's the name of God in the Old Testament. But how many of you know there are other titles and names and descriptors celebrated by, about God in the Old Testament? I'll prove it to you. Uh, when you look at Genesis 22, uh, uh, all of a sudden you, you call God Jehovah Jireh. Why? Because it literally means God will provide. When you get to, or, or go back to Genesis 17, when Abraham and Sarah are promised a son and kind of past the age, you know. Uh, what are you going to do? You ready? They figure out that they're going to have a child anyway. Even in spite of their old age, the, the word of God is going to be provided and, and proven true in their life. And they call God El Shaddai, the almighty God. 
Why? Because in that moment of God's provision, they understand the revelation of his name. And that new name that is revealed to them in that sense is a further revelation of who he is because his essential nature is revealed in his interactions with his people. And that's when you know. Maybe I can say it better. God reveals who he is by living up to his name. Okay, Brother Kimmel, what does that mean? Well, that those new names, as it were, did not change God or the covenant, uh, covenant name of God. I'll prove this to you. I've talked about this here before. I'll try not to get stuck on it again. One of my favorite verses, Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. God says uh, to Moses, he says, And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of El Elyon, God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. Now, we know that uh, they knew the covenant name of God, Brother Herbst. What does that mean? He's using that theology of names again from the Old Testament. He says, when you name my name, it reflects a deeper knowing by encounter. Now, what does that look like, Brother Kilman? Uh, that, you ready? I'm going to reveal this name, Moses, to you in a new way by fulfilling that name by encountering its ultimate expression. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to reveal that name to you in a new way that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not know Moses because I'm going to fulfill that name by you encountering its ultimate expression. You're going to understand that I am Yahweh. I'm the God of covenant. Why? Because I'm going to take two and a half million children of Israel out of underneath bondage and I'm going to lead them into a land of freedom. And you're going to know that I'm a God who lives up to my name. I'm just going to try not to preach today. But how many of you know when the Lord starts working in your life, when you say the name of Jesus, you're not just trying to say a name that's a technical name, that's some type of a cerebral ascent to the name. What you're saying in the name of Jesus is the God who saved me, the God who redeemed me, the God who changed me, the God who brought me to an encounter that revolutionized my life. You know the name of Jesus. That's what we're saying, that fullness of that reality. Question number five. Brother Herbst, it's interesting because Jesus says this new name can only be revealed in eternity. Why is this new name only revealed in eternity? Question number five. Well, that new name is tied to a future event. Brother Lear, it's Jesus is saying the fullness of that Revelation of my new name is still undisclosed in some way, even now, and it won't be revealed until the end of the age. Okay, what does that look like, Brother Kilman? Well, first of all, that's when uh, both, we know from the text, that's when both he and we shall receive it. Okay, let's, let's look at it together. So that unfolding of the end is necessary, Brother Herbst, to this issue of new names. All right, let me see if I can, I, I can uh, hurry. Revelation 19, verse 20 says this. Speaking of Christ, 
His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were, everybody say many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew. Now we know that this isn't about a new name anymore because it's a new expression of the same name, Brother Herbs. We're gonna see him as Jesus. But you ready? That he says that there is a name written that no man knew but he himself. Why? Because the ultimate expression of that name will not be known until eternity. Okay, what does that look like, Brother Kilman? Question number six. Whose throne is it? When you look at the book of uh, Revelation, there are distinctions. Like when you see uh, Revelation 6 through 19, it depicts both he who sits on the throne and the lamb. Everybody say distinctions. But those are not a distinction of persons in the Trinity. Brother Tapia, it's a distinction of roles and a distinction of manifestations. So it is distinction. Turn to your neighbor and say, get comfortable with distinction. But by the time you get to the end of Revelation 22, verse 3 and 4, the distinction's gone. I'll prove it to you. It says, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb. Everybody say two. Not three. Oh. You ready? The throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. Now notice what the Bible says, Brother Herbs, and his servants shall serve him. Notice what it does not say, and their servants shall serve them. Because it's a him on the throne. Because when you get the throne of God and the Lamb, by the time you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you see it's a him, it's a he, it's that one God of the Old Testament that robed himself in flesh and purchased redemption, and he that hath the Son hath the Father also. The Bible says, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Whose name? The name of the Lamb. Turn to your neighbor and says, Jesus. <laughs> That's why John says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Because unless he's the Lamb of God, unless he's Jesus, you ready? Unless he's your Savior, when you walk to the throne of a holy God, you're going to be judged, Brother Herbs. But thank God he came down in flesh and created me the opportunity to stand before that throne one day and worship. You ready? Without being judged, I can worship around that throne. It's not distinction of persons. It's the type of biblical distinction, the New Testament distinction between humanity and deity. It's the revelation of the power and the rule and the kingdom won through the humanity of God. I'll prove it to you. Let me give you some of the images in the book of Revelation. The greatest image, Brother Hertz, is the lamb. It's, he's called almighty eight times in the book of Revelation. He's called the one on the throne ten times. He's called Jesus 14 times. You ready? But he's called the Lamb 27 times. Now, what does that mean, Brother Kilman? That the Lamb is the revelation of the redemption, of the power, of the kingdom that is won only through 
what God did as the man Jesus. I'll prove it to you. We'll go through some scriptures quickly. Revelation 5, 5. And one of the elders said unto me, weep not, behold the, everybody say lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, everybody say flesh, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And verse six says, and I behold, beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. It's fascinating. The book of Revelation praises the lamb for slainness. Worthy is the lamb that was? Why? Because all of redemption history. Now see, here's where I want to get to today. You're in the kingdom of God. If you've repented of your sins and you've been baptized in Jesus' name and you've been filled with the spirit of God, you are in the kingdom of God. But you could not be in this kingdom without the lamb. You could go, Brother Herbst. You could have the angels around the throne. You could have, uh, you could have the seraphim and the cherubim around the throne. God in eternity could be worshipped and called holy and righteous and all of those things. But at the end of the day, the only reason there is a multitude the only reason there are 24 elders with Stephanos, laurel wreaths, is because God became the lamb. If it was not the throne of God and the lamb, there's no way you could stand before that throne righteous in eternity and be uh, the people of God. What does that mean, Brother Kilman? Okay. So when you're looking at the revelation of the new name, it's not novel. It's not a new name that's never been there before. Let me slow down a little bit. Okay. Help me, Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? The revelation of the name that has a new ultimate expression. Let me see if I can prove that today. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 says, Brother Herbs, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why? Because, first of all, the lamb is a slain man. The second is that revelation is essential. If you, if you don't come by the way of Jesus today, you can't stand before that throne and worship in eternity. He came to his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him gave he power to become, be the sons of God. You ready? You cannot be a son of God and stand in eternity saved without acknowledging the man Jesus. He said, there's only one way to the father and I am he. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Why? Because every, everything in heaven and earth is going to bow to the name of Jesus. Why? Because when we're standing on streets of gold, we're going to realize the only reason we're there is because we owe everything to that name. We owe everything that that name represents what God did as the victor. Because Brother Cox, the lamb can do what God cannot do. You ready? The lamb can die. The lamb can shed blood. And the lamb is worthy because only God as the man pays for our redemption. And, and Brother Tapia makes us the people of God. So uh, question number seven. Brother Kilman, what is revealed? We've already read it. Forgive me. Let me read it again. Revelation 19, 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire. This is Daniel chapter seven. We don't even have time to get there. And on his head were many crowns. 
I'm just saying that because I don't feel like the Lord wants me to go there. I got to stay on track because I'm ADD or ADOS, attention deficit or shiny. He has many crowns. That means total rule. The last enemy, Brother Lear, that shall be destroyed is death. And at that moment, he's going to have all of the power. Uh, I wish we had time to deal with it. I keep saying that. Forgive me for that. But not all things are subdued yet, Brother Herbst. And it's manifest that not, not all things are subdued. He's bringing all things. How many of you know I'm still fighting the devil? I'm just saying, Brother Kilman, I'm still fighting for my family's salvation. I'm still warring uh, against the flesh and the world and the devil to make sure that I'm saved. I get it, but I'm going to tell you. I I just want to remind you there's going to be a day where that name of Jesus that's called over you will be fully realized. Where you won't study war no more. Where that that name of Jesus is going to be new in this sense. It's going to be, its ultimate expression is this, that he is the Savior and we are saved. Look, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to worry about God living up to his name. If you want to be saved today and you want to get an eternity saved, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a God that's going to be vindicated in eternity. And that new name, that new revelation, that fullest expression of the name of Jesus is going to be demonstrated because you are going to be there standing as a witness to his name. That revelation shows the reality of the victory of Jesus Christ. But it also shows the full restoration of the overcomers. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 18 and 19, Paul says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's a glory that's going to be revealed in us in eternity. What is it? He says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth. How many of you know I'm, I'm looking for heaven? I feel the longing for eternity in my heart. Now, I got that 21-year-old boy, and I want, I want at least 12 grandkids. <laughs> Sister Cox, I want him to get married and be blessed with posterity. Hallelujah. But you know, every once in a while, there's some days I get up, and I realize that if he came today, I wouldn't be sad. Because I have eternity in my heart. I have that longing for heaven in my heart. And if the rapture of the church, Brother Brother Bubba's, took place today, I wouldn't be sad. There's a lot I want to see. There's a whole lot of people I want to see come to the Lord. There's a whole lot of revival I want to have. But you ready? There's also this longing on the inside of me that the expectation of the creature waiteth. What for? The manifestation of the sons of God. It doesn't appear what we shall be right now. We got this limited thing, but it doesn't appear what we shall be. But there. The sons of God are going to be manifest. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, I'm going to try to close today. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But he's, he's making the argument that in eternity we'll move from partial knowledge to full knowledge, Brother Herbst. What does that mean? Verse 12, he says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, Brother Herbst. Now I know in part, but then shall I know knowledge, knowledge of the name of Jesus, even as I am known. What does that mean? I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) know, I'm going to understand. I'm going to have the full revelation, Brother Herbs. Why? Because my being has changed and I shall know even as I am known. Because when I see him as he is, I'm going to see his finished work in me. 
How many, I, I just, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to behave today. But I, I long for heaven. I, I understand that I won't have to deal with this internal flesh issue because 1 Corinthians 15 says mortal shall put on immortality. I won't wrestle with this flesh anymore. When Paul says in Ephesians, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, I won't have to fight the world anymore. Nobody's going to be trying to tempt me to walk away from God in eternity. You ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know. I'm going to be no, even as I'm known that knowledge of being saved. I'm going to understand in a new way, Brother Herbs, what I have now in part, I'm going to have then in full. The revelation of the sons of God. That's why the Apostle John says in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now, everybody say right now. Now are we the sons of God. But then he doesn't stop there. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Still dealing with this flesh. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Why? For we shall see him as he is. The revelation of the victor on the streets of gold is also the revelation of my victory. Every knee will bow, Brother Herbst, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me close today. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 is a beautiful passage of scripture. You, you read 5 through 11 on your own. You could get the whole context. Brother Herbst, it's about the cross. It's about Jesus. It's about God coming as the man Jesus, humbly serving. Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. Now catch this. The chastisement of our peace was upon a him, not them. And he says, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. Everybody say him. And given him a name which is above every name. See, what happens is Philippians 2.9 shows when he earned the name, when it was won, when it was secured. But Revelation chapter 3 shows us when he achieves the name and it's realized. The mission of the Lamb is that he secures the name and that's the initiation of his reign on the earth. But you ready? Revelation shows us the rule of the Lamb on the throne will be complete. The revelation of the victor is the revelation of our victory. And the manifestation of the victorious Lord over every enemy is the manifestation of his victorious people over every enemy. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world it shows the redeemed saved on streets of gold. He who overcomes, Jesus said, also is that presentation of the overcomers. And when we see him as he is, we will see his final work in us. I want to read it again. There shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. On that day when I see his face, the name of Jesus will be revealed in salvation history in a way it never has been before. The vindication of the saved. Let me, let me close with a story. I, I, I was in uh, Sacramento at a friend's church, and we were preaching about the oneness of God and that great name, Jesus. And there was a, a three, three sisters that were there. And Sister Stephanie had already been one to the Lord. And I, I forgive me if I've shared part of this testimony before, but uh, Brother Bubbles, I just can't help it. It's so wonderful. 
Uh, Stephanie had got the revelation of the oneness of God, baptism in Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost. And uh, the, the, these girls had been over in uh, Africa with their, uh, with their mother and uh, their grandfather. Their grandfather was a witch doctor. Uh, he owned uh, slaves. Uh, there was a slave revolt, and uh, these, uh, they, they captured the mom and these three girls, Brother Herbst, and they tied them up, poured gasoline on them, and was going to set them on fire. And Fortunately for them, uh, they had mercy on them, let them loose, and uh, they ran, fled for their life, and uh, Catholic Church took them in. They acknowledged Jesus and become a part of the Catholic Church. How many say, good step? Good step. Not enough. Good step. Well, the, the grandfather, who was the witch doctor, Brother Cox, said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going uh, to kill you for converting. It was a real threat. They were granted asylum by the United States. They uh, came to America, landed in Illinois. And somewhere in Illinois, there is an Assembly of God uh, African preacher who's preaching holiness, who's preaching... Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, a separated life as well as speaking in tongues. Now, they think it's extra. Well, when these girls, Roxanne and Shirley, came to visit their sister uh, in California, they landed in the Warriors Church and immediately got the revelation of Jesus' name baptism. You can just see it. But he, they were struggling with oneness. And uh, my good friend said, could you teach on the oneness of God? Can I just tell you, if you can see him as he is, you can see the revelation that the only way God could save us is to come as the man Jesus. And he stooped to serve, to love us so much because he wants you in eternity. Yeah. And Sister Lear, I just began to teach being crazy like I am, you know. And, and I, I remember uh, Roxanne walked up to me and she said, the first night she went home and was talking to her sister. And, and, and so Stephanie said, so what do you think? She said, ah, it sounds too simple. If the oneness of God sounds simple to you, you're in trouble. God's already got you. Second night, we went through a Bible study, and, and, uh, and she came up to me, and she said, Brother Kilman, I want to believe what you're teaching, but if God's a trinity, I'm afraid of blasphemy. And I said, oh, it's okay, Sister Roxanne. You don't have to worry about that. The Apostle John says that he that hath the Son <laughs> hath the Father also. That third night, uh, she was, uh, we were teaching, and we had a good move of God, and then uh, she's in the back. The Lord just laid her out. It was beautiful. She walked up to uh, Sister Tina, the pastor's wife, the next day, Brother Herbst, at lunch, and she said, y'all have seen me ugly cry at church. I'm in this all the way. There's nothing, there's nothing like the apostolic church. Can I just tell you there's nothing like the apostolic church? When you get a revelation of who he is, and I'm just going to say it again, that unless that throne is the throne of God and the Lamb, we cannot worship in eternity. But I want to be a little pointed today. If you have not acknowledged Jesus, you don't want to be before that great white throne. If you can see today that you have the opportunity to stand before him as both God and your lamb, then, then you, can, you can secure your eternity today. If you've never repented of your sins and acknowledged him, you need to do that today. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, it's only the name of the lamb that's going to be praised in eternity. You need to have the name of Jesus called over.
If he loved you enough to die, you want to make sure that you secure eternity by saying, I'm going to praise that name by faith now so I can praise that name on streets of gold then. Would you lift up your hand and say, God, I'm, I'm thankful for the revelation of who you are and what your name purchased. We owe everything to you, Jesus. None of us deserve to stand in your sight. But you have... Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.